Good morning, everybody. My name is Jocelyn Sanders. I'm a senior at Westwood High School. Um, I'm in the IB program, NSHS and NHS, and I'm a dancer. And let me tell you something about this. Let me let you in on a little secret. So when you're giving a performance, the best way to do it is when the audience is really engaged. The best I can give is when you're giving your best too. So if you stick with me today, you're engaged, you're in whatever I'm doing and you do it right along with me, this is going to be the best possible, and that's what we want, is for me to give the best possible talk for y'all so you get the best experience this morning. Sound good? Awesome. So <laughs> this morning we're going to be talking about recharge. And Merriam-Webster defines recharge as something, probably. But Merriam-Webster says the hot dogs are sandwiches, so I don't know that I'm going to go with their definition this morning. Um, Recharge is definitely something that's subjective. I think it changes for every person because we're all different and so things appeal to us in different ways. Different things make us feel good. For me, recharge is about recentering on God and refocusing my life for a minute. You know, it's something that's hard to put into words though, really. It's something that comes, for me at least, in the color of lilacs in the morning or in the smell of fresh leaves in the sunshine. And how am I supposed to talk about that for 10 minutes? I don't know. So in sixth grade Sunday school, there were probably 15 of us every week, and that's a lot of middle schoolers in one room with one adult. That's a lot. So our teacher used to do this thing with us before we started, just to recenter us, get us ready for the day, calm us down a little bit, and we would say breath prayer together. And I'm going to ask that y'all do it with me today just so we can recenter before I start talking. So we're going to breathe in together, take a big deep breath, and when we exhale, we're going to say, be still and know that I am God. Sound good? All right. You can do it once by yourself. We're all going to close our eyes and do it. And then we'll try and do it once together, but that might be a little hard. There's a lot of you. All right, you ready? Be still and know that I am God. Okay, y'all ready to try it together? All right. Be still and know that I am God. That was great, guys. That was beautiful. Okay. So now that we're centered and we're ready to talk, I'm going to go ahead and start. So I think an experience for me where I've really found recharge, where I've really been able to recenter my life on God in a tangible way is when I was at Mountaintop one summer. So Mountaintop is a mission trip that we do here at Bethany where we go to Tennessee and we work with a whole bunch of other churches and the communities up there in the Appalachian Mountains. And it's a really great time. But this one summer, I was, my first summer, I was doing house repair for these people. We went and we were supposed to build them a wheelchair ramp and a deck. And they told us when we got there, they just already were so excited to see us. We got out of the van and they just hugged us and they said, thank you for coming. We really need you. And they told us how their mom was in hospice care now and she needed a way to get out of the house if there was an emergency, if they needed to take her to the hospital for her wheelchair to get out of their trailer. And so they said, please, will you build this ramp? We'll help you. We just need this to get done. I said, okay, sounds good. That's what we're here to do is help. So we start working on this ramp and these kittens come running out from under this trailer and they were so cute, let me tell you. Probably six weeks old, these little bitty balls of fur. And we asked them, are these your kittens? These are so cute, can we play with them? They said, well, you're welcome to, 
but they're not ours. They're our neighbors. They just don't take good care of them. And so we've been kind of feeding them so they can stay alive because, you know, we want them to live, but they're not ours. So we don't know if they're sick or not. We don't know if they're okay. Sounds good to us. We're going to play with the kittens. But one of the kittens was sick. It was the run of the litter, and it wasn't doing too hot. And it was kind of sad. So we asked, well, what are you guys going to do with this one? Is he okay? Is he going to be okay? And they said, we don't really know. I think we might end up having to drown him because he just is not going to make it, we don't think. And we don't want him to have to suffer anymore. And we said, that's really sad. But we understood, so we got back to work. But my group leader had a really hard time with that. You know, she had a real soft spot for animals. And she was ready to call the ASPCA, see what she could do for these kittens, and get them out of there. So I don't know if you know anything about rural communities in Tennessee. They're not huge fans of you calling the authorities on them the first day you meet them. <laughs> they just uh, weren't really having it. And so they were really upset. They called their supervisor and said, you know, we might not want to work with Mountaintop anymore because it's always been a really loving environment for us. And this feels more like an attack. You know, these aren't even our kittens. We don't, it's not our responsibility, but we're doing the best we can. And so if one kitten doesn't make it, like, we shouldn't have the ASPCA called on us. You shouldn't be calling people on us. That's fine. And so we managed to work it out, smooth things over with them. We didn't call the ASPCA. But it was a really weird moment because it caused this rift in this relationship that I didn't know if would ever be fully healed. You know, they didn't want to work with Mountaintop anymore. That's a big thing to say, no, we don't want your help because you've hurt us that badly. And so... A few years later, we came back, and they told us we'd be redecking a ramp and potentially taking it out because it looked like things weren't sealed too well. And I was like, cool, I can do that. I've worked with ramps before. Sounds like a good job. We get to the house, and it looks pretty familiar, and it's the same trailer that I had worked at four years earlier. I'm kind of nervous now. Like, Oh no, last time I was there, things weren't too hot. What am I going to say to them? Are they going to be upset? I don't want to ruin this for them again. I get out of the car and here they are. They come running up and hug me. Hey, sissy, how are you? You've grown. I have not grown. <laughs> I was like, hey, guys. And they come and show us the ramp. We're talking about how their lives have been in the last few years. And they said, well... If you don't want to redact this ramp, that's fine. We don't really need it anymore because our mother has passed on. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Right? No, she's with God now, sissy. She's in so much better of a place. She doesn't need wheelchair ramps. It's like, awesome. If that's what y'all want, we can try and take it out. Turns out it hadn't been sealed anyways by the group who came after us. So when we started trying to redeck, it was rotten. So we got to come full circle. I built that ramp and then we tore it right to the ground. <laughs> but then, later in the day, we were finishing up, building them some new stairs so that they had, you know, a better way to get out anyways. And they said, hey, do y'all want to come inside and look at our family photo album? We said, well, sure, we'd love that. I love getting to know you. This is great. And so we sit inside, and they pull out this giant Ziploc bag of photos, like one of the gallon-sized bags, and it's absolutely full almost won't close. And they're like, here. And they start pulling out pictures one by one and showing us. Going back for decades and decades of family history, like, these are our aunts, these are our uncles, this was at this special day, this was at this special day. 
and the pictures slowly go from black and white to sepia to color, and then there's some at the end that are really bright colored. And I was like, well, hey guys, what are those? And they pulled them out to show me, and they said, look, sissy, there's you. And they had taken family photos with us when we built the ramp for them that day. Even after all of that, they still had the grace to forgive us and even put us in their family photo album. And kind of hit me right between the eyes. Oh, even though there had been that rift in that relationship, even though we had hurt their pride and offended them, they still loved us enough and appreciated what we had done enough to put us in their family and consider us a part of their lives. And I don't know about y'all, but that's God. That doesn't happen by ourselves, by itself. Um, it just, that was a moment for me to recenter and be like, oh, I really did make an impact on these people's lives and they sure made an impact on me. This is amazing. And this is what I wanna do with the rest of my life is things like this for people. And so it just really hit me, you know? It was a very impactful moment. Like, this is how God works in our lives. And so I recentered on that. And in Matthew chapter 24, he says, And surely I'll be with you always to the end of the age. And he sure is, y'all. He really is. So I think now's a good moment to do another breath prayer. A refocus for the rest of our lives. Just be ready. You ready? This time, if you want, you can say something else. I'm still going to say, be still and know that I'm God, if you want to say it with me. But if you have something that's on your mind, on your heart, that you want to say, you can go ahead and lift that up right now. Okay. Be still and know that I am God. Thank you so much, everybody. I'd like to introduce our next speaker, Mr. Ben Sims. <laughs> 